It's the 4th of July, so we thought, what a great time to celebrate Dependence Day. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of July the 4th, 2013. So anyone listening out there might think they heard you wrong when you said celebrate Dependence Day, because normally... We say, Happy Independence Day, and it is. Um, We're celebrating a courageous decision made 237 years ago today. By a bunch of farmers more than anyone else. I know. uh, To make this dramatic change in the way they were governed. Yeah, I mean, they they, um, have a lot in common with us. They were lawyers and farmers, and you're both also. Um, But what we sometimes... Overlook is that they were voting, or that you know, making a decision regarding how to be governed. It was about the government, and lately, government has become everybody's favorite whipping boy. You know, government bad, freedom good, whatever you know, however you want to say it. But what we thought we'd do today is talk about what the government does for us, some of the positives, because. You know, those of us who are celebrating the 4th of July and wa- waving our flags and shooting off fireworks, we do realize that we have a lot to be grateful for in this country. And um, so we just want to talk about what some of those things might be. Um, of course, the first thing that comes to mind is freedom. We have our freedoms. You know, there was a time during the Iraq War, they hate us for our freedoms because we have freedom. But do we have the most freedom of any country in the world? Clearly not. Our level of freedom is uh, at best so-so when you look at us in comparison to most industrialized democracies. So which ones, which countries do you think have more freedoms than we do? Oh, I would say that the Scandinavian countries are uh, bellwethers when it comes to personal freedom, mm-hmm. uh, true freedom of expression, true freedom to assemble, true freedom to uh, of the press and the media. Um, true freedom of religion, uh, you'll find in much more uh, meaningful ways in Scandinavia and in most of Western Europe than you'll find in the United States. And of course, you know, there are many countries around the world where there's no freedom, where it's completely uh, curtailed. And uh, so we're grateful that we have what we have. Uh, Just to, to just hit that briefly and move on, a lot of what we think well, we can say what we want, freedom of expression. To the extent that it is curtailed, it's probably because our media outlets um, tend to be being bought up by a, a minority, a very small number of companies and corporations, and which corporations are people now. Fancy that. So um, that's when you think back to the days of Walter Cronkite, and I am old enough to remember Walter Cronkite, when there were lots of diverse points of view, we had better antitrust legislation than we have now, right? You know, so that that guaranteed the average person and the media outlets a lot more freedom than they're seeing now. And and that's probably about all we need to say about yeah. that point. I made you nervous when I put it on the outline in the first <laughs> well, place. Well, but I still think 
we do, I'm grateful for what we do have. And I just urge everybody to pay attention to what's happening in the world. Just, you know, keep your, keep your antennae up. Now let's, so let's talk, talk about, about yeah, yeah, some safety of and security the is doing for oh, us. Oh, absolutely. Because I think after 9-11, we've become so aware of the need to be safe and the government does help to protect us that way. Yes, I, you know, I flew out to Los Angeles not too long ago, going through airport security. Everybody grumbles and mumbles about it, but I'm just glad somebody's looking out for me, you know, trying to make sure I don't get blown up in midair somewhere. So, and on a much more uh, human scale, we have valuable property here at the farm, as does nearly every farmer. And I have a very low level of concern that people are going to come and steal our valuable property. Um, and the, the main reason I have that low level of concern is that I have confidence that my government, my local law enforcement, the sheriff's department, will protect me and will protect our property. Mm -hmm. And for that, we are very grateful. And one thing that comes to mind when you say property, just the very idea that we can own this property and be confident that the government's not going to come take it away. And I, at this and won't point, let somebody else come take it away. And won't let somebody else. And I know there would be other people who would disagree with me about that who might be a little bit more concerned about that as a possibility. But I really don't see it. I've actually served on a jury um, in which there was an eminent domain case of a gas station having a bit, a little bit of its property taken over for some improvement. I mean, and I just know from having been a part of the judicial system as a, as a part of the citizenry out there that our courts do look out for the rights of individuals to own property. So um, I think that's something to be grateful for. And like you said, law and order, too. I know that if, um, you know, I have a problem and I call the sheriff, or since we live in the country, we're talking sheriff, um, that he or she will be here to provide protection. I agree. And I guess the next one is my favorite subject to talk about when it comes to government, and that's forecasting the weather. There is not a single day that I don't first thing look at the weather forecast to see what it holds for us today and how we should therefore plan our day. Mm -hmm. Does the government sponsor the weather Absolutely, forecast? the U.S. Yeah. Weather Service. Yeah. And all of the you know local TV channels and all of the newspapers and the wire services and weather.com and the Weather Channel, all of them are pulling their data from the U.S. Weather Service. They're all just repackaging what the government is providing. And, and we're grateful for that, too. And I know anyone who's been through a severe weather event, tornado, hurricane, whatever it might be, um, would also be grateful for that. And we all talk about how inaccurate weather forecasting is. But uh, you are old enough to remember Walter Cronkite. I'm old enough to remember when weather forecasting was a lot less reliable than it is today. Um, like, you know, today they told us three or four days ago that it was going to be raining most of the day. And sure enough, it's yeah, raining most yeah. of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that was... And that is invaluable to us as farmers to be yes. able to know in advance what the weather's going to do. That's right. Um, you know, I, I still rely on the Farmer's Almanac. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think the, <laughs> the old ways were good ways. Um, but thanks to advances in technology, we do have a lot more accuracy and warning systems about uh, weather events. So I think that's that's very helpful. One 
uh, area of government um, contribution that is near and dear to our hearts is the cooperative extension system throughout the United Amen. States. And of course, we know the one in Alabama the best, so that's the one we'll talk about. I'm sure it does vary from state to state. In fact, I know it does. And but we are before you as two long-term University of Alabama fans, but we have sure learned to appreciate Auburn University. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we graduated from the University of Alabama, but um, if you're not from around these parts, you might not realize that the ag school, that is the agricultural school, is Auburn University. As well as Tuskegee Institute and, and Alabama a and Yeah, Alabama A&M, that's correct. So um, a lot of research takes place at those universities that um, on agricultural and horticultural issues, on pest management, on... Uh, best practices for growing, for weed control, what, you know, you name it. And the vast majority of that research is available virtually free to the public. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the form of a lot of instruction by extension agents to the public and to master gardeners who in turn pass it along to the public. Right, which is how we came to know um, a lot about what's going on and, and just you know, getting to know our extension agent, getting to know some people at Auburn, the experts there who are, we're, we're close to Auburn uh, physically, you know, so we, we, we tend to connect with what's happening there more than at any of the other agricultural institutions. And that one, um, we just have come to appreciate. And we know that thanks to government grants, thanks to um, government funding for extension, uh, offices being there, extension agents, that that's um, making a huge contribution to the public in terms of dissemination of information. And it's research-based. It's not old wives' tales. It's not um, just, you know, some anecdotal evidence about, yeah, this worked for me. Why don't you try it? It's it's based in the best kind of research available. And just a, a brief little interjection here about Alabama in particular. You had occasion not too long ago to research an agricultural issue for a friend of ours in another state. Yes. And it was surprising to us how little information was available on their extension systems website. And and they're a much larger, more populous state than we are. In comparison, you know, when you compared what was available in that huge state to what's available to us in little old Alabama, Alabama was running circles around that big old state. Right. We're just um, incredibly grateful. And again, that comes to us through government funding. And and at this point, I think I've got to say I'm a little worried. I'm worried that um, we might lose some of our funding just because of some things that have been going on lately, cutbacks, um, you know, not to get into a lot of details, but just to say that we know of cases where extension agents have large territory, you know, numerous counties to cover. It's well, we really... can talk about Mallory, for example. Yeah, Her one predecessor good. at one time had one county for which he had responsibility. She now has eight. Yeah, I think she she may have, you know, it varies. She's gone from as many as, I think, 14 or something down to maybe eight or but it's still that's ridiculous i mean one county per agent is about what it ought to be and and it's just very difficult for mallory to to get 
good coverage over such a large area, we who are in the Master Gardener program do everything we can to leverage her expertise and her presence so that um, she can work as efficiently as possible, but there's a limitation to what volunteers can do. Exactly. And she does an amazing job, really. Um, And one thing that we've even had is an in-person consultation from a wildlife um, management expert, Patrick Cook, actually came to the farm to help us figure out what to do about our vole situation. And we just finished a nice visit with um, Graves Lovell. Lovell. Um, who came with an assistant and did a balance check of our pond. That cost a lot of money. He you know, put gas in his state truck and drove to our farm and did that check and left us a full report, all without charging us any money. That was a service provided by government. By the State Department of Conservation. That's and right. And we are very grateful. And, and it's I available think we've to got anybody a photo with... of, of that, so I'll try to put that up on the yeah, website. That'd be great. And it's available to anyone in the in the state who not not necessarily that one agent. I mean they they're different, you know, they have different areas or um counties that they're responsible for. The point is, if you're in the state of Alabama, you can get that kind of service for your pond. They check in June and October for balance and that way they can give you advice about what you need to do to improve the fertility of the pond or, you know, hopefully the productivity of it. Um, So we're grateful to what happens through the Department of Conservation, through Cooperative Extension Systems, um, and thanks to government, that's uh, the case. Public education is also a large part of it. That's a a part of the Master Gardeners program, their mission, actually. Well, no, I was, I guess I'm Hmm. using the term public education in a much larger sense. You and I went to, we received an excellent education courtesy oh. of the public education system. Going beyond Elementary school, junior farming. high school, right. high school, college, all were at public colleges, uh, public institutions. And you and I have talked before about the wonderful instruction we received at Robert E. Lee High School in the early 70s, and we did. Well, yours was late 60s. and Through early, early 70s. 70s, yeah. I, I bridged the gap. Um, <laughs> But we also received excellent instruction in elementary school and junior high school leading up to that. And, of and course, then graduate school and law school were at a public institution. Were at public colleges. Illinois. So, um, mm-hmm. Thank goodness for government for making public education affordable to people who don't have gobs and gobs of money. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and we do hope that um, that will continue. And, and I know it gets to be a political hot potato uh, so not to get involved with it, but just to say that um, just because not everybody does have money, and that's a way to even, you know, I see school groups all the time taking trips to farms and urban urban gardens and to learn about, since we're, we're pri- primarily talking about growing food, um, many public schools actually make information about that sort of thing available to the students, uh, many of whom would not ever be able to get out and see a and, countryside or and be in the countryside. Unfortunately, that tends to be a, um, a dividing line. Wealthier school systems can afford field trips where their students can go and spend time with a farmer and go and see what the firemen are doing and so forth. And less wealthy school systems often can't afford those right. field trips. And in fact, while we're talking about uh, 
good public education, quality public education. Our children both went to Vestavia Hills High School. Well, they went through the entire Vestavia Hills um, education program, and they would do things like, you know, take your daughter to work day, and they'd shadow someone with uh, a career that they thought they might want to um, investigate further. Um, they received excellent uh, educations there. So I just, uh, and, and then one of our children actually attended a public university, Alabama. So um, again, can't say enough about the positives there. And um, we just hope the government's priorities will continue in that direction to keep extension systems going, to keep public education funded, so that um, you know, in a democratic society, this sounds like a truism, but it really is that, that the success of a democratic society is public education, making sure people know how to um, access critically. information and think critically. That's right. Now, so, I can't let a conversation about the benefits of government end without saying something about fire protection. Considering that you started a small <laughs> fire here at the farm inadvertently last year, I think that would be in order. And needed <laughs> to call on my government to help me. Uh, most of you who listen regularly know that I had a brush fire back in January. And I attempted first to control it on my own and then decided I need to bring in some more firepower than I have here. Ha, ha, ha. Firepower. Ha, ha, yeah. And then called our um, Friendship Fire District, and those guys came quickly. They knew what to do. They were uh, successful in controlling the farm and uh, the fire and told me what to do to make sure that I, w I could eliminate the hot spots. And... That was a service that my government has to provide 365 days a year. I called on it on that particular day, but it's there every day waiting for the need that someone might have to call mm -hmm. on it. Yeah, and another example, Adrian and I were driving across the country from California, and we saw, uh, we kind of, we were going the speed limit, and we passed too quickly um, and couldn't stop a motorist who was stranded on the side of the road and was not completely out of the lane and, the, and this was on the interstate we called you know she got on her cell phone called 911 told them exactly where we saw somebody doing that it was so good we couldn't I mean we would have put ourselves in danger trying to you know at those high speeds stop or try to but the fact that we could call on our government you know through 911 to say this is the mile marker this is where that person is and have confidence that he would go and receive help that's that's a positive service. So um, I guess on this Independence Day or Dependence Day, however you want to say it, we're grateful for our freedoms. Yes, we're grateful for um, being in a place where we can put this podcast on and say what we think. Uh, so we just urge each of you to have a great day, for one thing. And also, um, if you have questions about this, do your own research. Find out for yourself. You know, what's going on with farm bills and that kind of thing? Stay informed um, and have input to your government because that is something that um, at least our representatives claim they would welcome is hearing what your opinion is about what they're doing. And um, so we want to all stay involved in the process as a way of paying homage to those very courageous individuals who 237 years ago today uh, made us a free nation. Have a great week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. 
You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.